us get into some of these topics. Got a couple, th- a couple segments I wanted to get through today. We're gonna talk about, even though a little, not a little, a lot late. <laughs> uh, some just talking about the Lil Nas X stuff. Um, talk. I'm gonna talk about uh the Flash and their continuing, their continuing tr- trying to just tokenize everything in sight, and a little bit of the MCU Spider Man stuff, and then. We're gonna talk about some transitions, some gaming stuff. We're gonna talk about uh Cyberpunk, their future, E3, and uh Sony being uncharacteristically quiet. Anybody be like, oh well, this is kind of like a politics channel. Well, no, I wanted to be more about a cultural channel where we can have discussions and we can talk about different things because it all affects culture and you don't have to be one thing and you can exist in multiple subcultures so the idea here is to shine lights on different things and give people different ways of looking at things so hopefully you enjoy the ride guys all right so we're going to start with this low nasdaq story so let's bring this up here all righty so judge halts distribution of little nas x's satan shoes at nike's request and buyers might not ever receive yeah, a thousand dollars and eighteen, uh, one thousand eighteen dollars shoes they paid for. Just quick. So, a judge has granted Nike's request for a temporary restraining order against MCCHF. They're the company that uh made the shoes. So, essentially, here we have Mon. His name is Montero Lamar Hill, which is why the song's called Montero. If you didn't know that. He came out with he came out with a pair of Nike Air Max 97s, filled them with 60 cc of red ink as well as a drop of human blood, according to the rapper. The shoes, which also feature a pentagram pendant, is embroidered 666, and a Bible verse retailed for $1,018, and went on sale Monday. Within minutes, the shoe sold out, but Nike filed a lawsuit against them earlier this week stating they did not authorize the shoes or design so tmz had reported that a judge granted the company's request and due to the restraining order mcsf will not be allowed to ship the shoes to customers awaiting the shoe some people have gotten them there's like a review or two on youtube that you can find of people having them but the vast majority of people most likely won't get them so (laughs) The outlet reported that judges grant temporary restraining orders on this type when there's a high probability that they will win when there's a full-blown hearing. A portion of the company, a portion of the company's Monday complaint read: Nike has not and does not approve or authorize MCHF's customized Satan shoes. Moreover, MSCHF and its unauthorized Satan shoes are likely to cause confusion and dilution and create an earnest association between them. And Nike. In fact, there are already evidence of significant confusion and dilution occurring in the marketplace, including calls for a boycott of Nike in response to the launch of the Satan shoes on uh, the mistaken belief that Nike has authorized or approved this product. So, as far as the whole video and whatnot goes, I mean, I guess you want my bias. I guess I'm I'm a Christian, but at the end of the day, like that has that I don't really have a Whatever you want to do, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, it doesn't. Like, 
if you believe in freedom as far as like the country goes, he's free to make whatever art he he um, wants to. But there are some caveats. So first caveat would be he, Little Nas for that matter, marketed himself to being a. He marketed himself to being a child, like icon or a child figure or like a a person that children could look up to. He marketed himself. He went a lot of interviews and and uh, went around touring, letting people know, uh, doing the media cycle, trying to let people know that yes, I am for children and I want kids to watch me and absorb my content. So since you go ahead and do that, which is fine, you want to market children, children are a huge consumer base and their parents buy them things. So, you know, you're going to want to market to them. Completely understandable. But then you do that and then you make this type of video where it's completely go ahead and do it. If you're doing it for adults, go ahead. It does nothing to do with me. It's because I'm Christian doesn't mean you have to, you have to do anything I need you to do. Bible says love love thy neighbor doesn't say you have to uh doesn't say I have to love them if they if they're x y or z so if you're gonna but if you're gonna mark if you're gonna market this to kids if you're gonna market yourself and your brand to kids and then go ahead and do this i think you're i think you're i think you're pretty evil for that i think i think you're i think you're a pretty awful person for doing that specifically that part of it making the video do whatever you want but you doing you in conjunction of your history of how you've marketed yourself that's that's the issue here and then going a step above and beyond to make satan's shoes like if you're if, if if your goal here was to say, oh, um, people were mean to me when I was a little boy and they said I was going to hell, so I I wanna I wanted to put something in their face and just make them all have to watch it and everybody talk about it, so that way they can be mad, they can stay mad. Like if you want to do that, fine, whatever. But sending out shoes with an actual drop of blood in them, like that's just. That's just OD. That's just over the top, dude. That's just that's just so extra. Like for what? Like, did you really have to go that far? Like, I mean, even just to shoes with the pentagram is one thing, but to put like if this is I mean, if you actually did put a drop of human blood in each one of those shoes, like that's that's nuts. Like for what reason is that is that even is that even something you're gonna consider? I I think it was entirely I think it was it was entirely too much that you were doing. You didn't have to go that far. And if you're mad that people said things about you that you said that you believe aren't true or saying that people that no, I'm not going to go to hell because of these things. Or if people made you feel bad for your sexuality preference, I don't think the best way of getting back at them is by proving them right. I think you try to when someone says something about you that is not true or you know that's not true and that's not who you are or if you are not interested in that opinion you go prove them wrong you don't try to prove them right but that's gonna that's gonna be just all i wanted to cover for that the next segment we're gonna get to is gonna be the tokenizing of another flash character if you're not familiar cw the flash um the flash show has a history of uh tokenizing character have a history of tokenizing characters and last one we saw was with iris west so i get that pulled up for you here so see right here you see this this is comic book iris west 
and this is the Flash CW Iris West. Now, I don't know if there's a difference. I don't know if you can see a bit of a difference. Maybe, maybe is it, is it, is it, oh, the lipstick, the lipstick is different. Like, she's white. She's white. She's a redheaded white lady. Brown, dark, dark brown hair, black woman. For what reason? For what reason? Like, it's one thing, if you want more black characters or whatnot, they exist. Stop taking traditionally white characters, especially redheads. I don't know what, especially DC has against their redheads, because they tokenize Batwoman as well as a black, black Batwoman now for her show. But why not just, if you want more black characters, take some of your underutilized black characters and do more with them instead of just changing them around? Because if we just say, oh, what if we just change Cyborg to a white guy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure riots would would start that night. As it was being written in the page, riots would start that night. So it makes no sense. But what we're talking about right now is going to be the Jordan Fisher joining. And he's going to be Bart Allen. Bart Allen, a.k.a. Impulse, is again... A redhead little white boy. What does Jordan Fisher have to do with that? Jordan Fisher is a black is is a black guy. Let's see if they have a picture here. Jordan Fisher, see him right there. See this guy right here. This guy right here. See this? You see these? You see these? These pictures of this guy? Yeah, he is a black guy. What does this have to do? Why, why, why are you changing these things? Like, I understand people want. I don't really understand it. I understand it, but like, I don't agree with it. But I, I get that people want representation or to see themselves or whatever. But when you when you force it, it's not natural and it doesn't and it doesn't mean anything. It's cheap. It's hollow. So, for instance, like. And, you know, I can use a Marvel character here because I'm really excited for this character. So, for instance, we could, for instance, uh, um, Adam Brashear, um, Blue Marvel, has not been introduced yet. I'm really excited to see him. He's going to come in at some point. I know he is. He's just too good a character for them not to put him. But you what you do is, and a lot of people probably don't even know who Adam Brashear is, but he's awesome, like. He's probably he's probably he's probably my second favorite Marvel character after Spider Man. Like he's just dope. He's like Quantum Superman. He's awesome. So what you do is you bring in more people like that instead of changing people. So instead of like if you instead of like changing Mary Jane to Zendaya, even though they'll call her Mary Jane, they call her MJ. She's not exactly the same character. She's she's Mary Jane Watson. So Instead of changing her, what you do instead, you bring in and spotlight more black characters. Like they have um they have in uh Black Panther right now. They have they have uh Falcon and then yet they bring they're gonna bring be bringing in um I want them to bring in Adam Brashear. And they have and they have more people like that. They have, they have a long list. They got Luke Cage that was in the show. Hopefully he comes back. But they got more and more people that they can bring that they can bring in and they can continue diversifying. But the point is these characters already exist and you can already have representation there. 
Why do you need to force it over here? That's when it representation becomes an issue when you're forcing it, when it's not natural, when it's not these characters have it, when you're just destroying a character's history or changing it or just trying to push an agenda. It's like the politics and your and your and your views and your opinions are all right on screen instead of being oh maybe we don't have maybe maybe we can just tell a good story and not really worry about the politics of this situation maybe we could just i don't know focus on actually writing something good and effective rather than rather than just trying to trying to have a vanity project try have something that has our name on it that we can say oh i made that we see it time and time again we see it now with this cw stuff we see it we see it with uh stuff like captain marvel where where they just hyped her up gave her infinite binary anyone who's actually read captain marvel comics knows she's not that strong all the time that's a binary form that she has that she just constantly has and that just is something that's really hard for her to have at any one time they keep forcing her down our throat to just when things don't work let them fail and then try other things and be original what they're doing here is trying to rinse repeat recycle and not actually try and it's lazy and really unfortunate so that's gonna be in that segment i'm gonna move on to i want to talk a bit about spider-man spider-man is gonna be uh something uh interesting here so Let's go ahead and just check out this tweet. This is going to be a pretty short one here. So, we have Spider-Man No Way Home news. The future of the MCU Spider-Man is on Netflix. After 2022, any Spider-Man movies will be streaming exclusively on Netflix after their theatrical runs. So, what that means, if anyone was confused... The future of the MCU Spider-Man is not looking good for the fans of him. I'm a fan of Spider-Man. I'm not a fan of MCU Spider-Man. Just to make the distinction. So. What we see there is that obviously Sony still has the film rights, right? Sony still has the film rights. So. It's probably so most likely some issues there, some contentious there with that being on Disney Plus, and if they want them to have that, and, and how much control does Sony want over that? There's a contention there, obviously. But then we also, if we look at the greater picture of things, of how that stuff's looking, we know Tom's contract is up. Like there's a No Way Home movie is gonna be is gonna be it for at least the foreseeable future. So we know that's the case. And after the No Way Home film is over, I don't see him coming back, at least not for a while. There's going to be some type of restructuring of Spider-Man, at least as we know him, in the MCU after that point. Do they bring in Miles Morales, which might be the case, maybe, because we already know he exists in the universe as of um as of as of uh homecoming we already know he exists but it's going to be interesting to see where they go here we see they're not going to be ha disney's not going to have it on their streaming service the contract is up i'm sure it was going to have to be another talk more multi-million dollar deals to keep him over there and Disney may have gotten the life out of him that they wanted. Like they may have gotten, they got a couple Avengers appearances, 
uh, crossover appearances. They got three movies out of them. I wonder what they're going to want to do with this moving forward. Because I don't see, I don't, I don't, I don't see at least Peter Parker in the capacity that he is now in the MCU going forward. We're gonna see at the end of No Way Home some type of death reshuffling, like moving away. There's gonna be something as to why he is not gonna be appearing in the future of the MCU, at least for the time being. He may very well come back, but they're they're gonna most likely end that movie leaving room for him not being in the future. I could be wrong, but we're going to have this video as proof when the movie's out, when we watch it, we can come back to this and we can see, all right, let's see how right he was. But that's how I see this going. And honestly, it's kind of for the better. I want them to give another honest try at Spider-Man just because just now that Iron Man's dead, can we get just Spider-Man? Can we, can we, can we just have Spider-Man? That'd be nice. I'd appreciate it. All right, so on to gaming news is going to be the next seg next segments. We're going to talk a bit about some uh, Spider-Man stuff, some Kotaku stuff, and some Sony things. So let me get this pulled up for you guys. All righty. So After Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt promises better marketing. CD Projekt has learned from the Cyberpunk 2077 misstep. Have they now? Have they now? So, they're taking a lesson from the, from the marketing campaign to heart. In a new strategy, they're promising multiple changes, and they want to focus on shorter marketing campaigns and better managing expectation for what the game will look like at launch. So again, uh, the uh, marketing campaign of CD Project of um, Cyberpunk 27 was again, eight years. And <laughs> the and uh, CD Project goals for marketing in the future is to properly manage expectations across all platforms. So not to build up considerable hype. That's what you, uh, that you can't meet that, that that's probably a good goal. So the senior vice president, Michael Nowoski, uh, appeared during the pre-recorded strategy video on how CD Projekt Red can avoid mistakes in regards to marketing and head in 2077. So they're going to be regarding gameplay and elements like full life pass, the 24-day um, NPC uh, life cycles. They ultimately didn't make the final version. Perhaps most glaringly, pre uh, CD Projekt Red didn't share what uh, the game looked like on non-PC hardware. So all of this will change, apparently. We'll see. As the market campaigns will be shorter. I mean, shoot, even if you half the time, that's still four years. So yeah, much, much, much shorter will be good. And the company says it will wait until the games are close to launch before showing things like trailers, demos, and going in-depth about mechanics. CD Projekt Red also says when campaigns do start to aim to properly manage expectations across all platforms. 
and the company will have to release teasers early in uh, game developments if it makes sense. But the actual marketing won't kick off until much closer to launch. Compared to strategy to something like Bethesda did with Fallout 4, which was announced in 2015 and released later that year. So we have a roadmap here as well as here. So we have a major shift for how it maps out its plans. So we got patches and updates. We got free DLCs and next-gen updates on the docket for Cyberpunk and for The Witcher. We got um, The Witcher Monster Slayer. We got the next-gen update and further development of Gwent. So free DLC and patches and updates for Cyberpunk 2077. On The Witcher side of things, there are plans for a next-gen update and more Gwent. And more uh, Gwent developed The Witcher Monster Slayer AR game will begin in parallel. Will begin in parallel uh, AAA game development. All this to say that they felt the market backfired on them. That's that's an understatement. And so they they're continuing to patch. We just got one point two for for uh, cyberpunk and we'll see how that goes future but it still is not on the playstation store so we'll see if we can get them to fix that and one other thing i wanted to look at here was the multiplayer so with that in mind with their changes that they're doing to their marketing their roadmap we noticeably saw multiplayer was not listed and that's because it's being reconsidered possibly delayed or even canceled so they did say they want to focus on bringing all of his franchises online one day. But how close to now? We don't know. So it was supposed to get a multiplayer mode at some point. But we may not see it at all. And CD Projekt Red is being cagey about how it might be implemented. So again, uh, President Adam Kaczynski said that the studio was adjusting the strategy around online experiences in its game, saying that it was focused on bringing online to all its franchises one day and working with an online technology that can be integrated into all its games. But he continued that means a change of some sort of Cyberpunk 2077's planned multiplayer mode might be implemented. Previously, we entered that our next AAA would be a multiplayer cyberpunk game, but we have decided to reconsider this plan given more systemic and agile approaches instead of primarily focusing on one big online experience or game. We're focused on bringing all of our franchises one day. And this doesn't exactly clarify the nature of what's going on, but they did say that it was a AAA title. So it's not clear if it's been delayed or even further, but simply, or if it simply won't be implemented at all. So we don't know when this is going to come. We don't know where this is going to come in. But we do know that whatever happens is going to take some time, at the very least, unfortunately. And really, that's really unfortunate due to the fact that the game is, that could have been a second life for the game. The multiplayer could have been maybe what more of what somebody wanted. Like they could have, because Cyberpunk, I mean, even if they fix all the bugs, you know, they have great DLCs and everything. Like it's kind of like No Man's Sky. Like No Man's Sky is a fun game now, but it always has that stain. It always has that, ugh, that kind of reputation on it. But I, I play it now, and it's fun, but it's, uh, you can't ever fully get away from that. So, 
maybe if you went down a multiplayer route, something that was distinct from that base game, it came out polished. Ooh, it came out polished. It came out working. It came out all together. Like everything was ready. If it came out in that way, the that game could have saved Cyberpunk like as a like as a brand as far as video games goes. Outside of the board game, board game is awesome, but the uh, well not the board game it's like a dungeon called it's like a Dungeons and Dragons, but that you use a board. Suffice to say, outside of that game, as far as this, I gotta stop hitting this mic is what I need to do. Outside of that. The, the game could have had a larger life outside of that if you actually put a deep RPG system in it, what people wanted. If you put more systems into it as far as, you know, day life, night cycles, more interactability, more stuff like little party mini games and stuff you can play with your friends. Like in GTA, you can go play a whole game of tennis if you want. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but all those little things make the world feel real. Like where you can where you can get in your car well, where you can get into like a cargo bob in gta and go pick up someone in a car and then pick them up and fly them over somewhere do little missions in the area do impromptu races you pull up next to someone else on the online and you invite them to a race you point an endpoint you both put cash in a pot and then you drive and then you drive off and see who gets there first like all of those little things just make it feel like i can really interact with this world however i want and if they added stuff like that into the Cyberpunk Online, Cyberpunk 2077 wouldn't be, wouldn't even be in people's minds because everybody would be playing online. So I think they might have missed the ball. They might have missed the mark or dropped and missed the ball, missed the mark and dropped the ball on this idea that they were going to, that they're going to hold off on the multiplayer aspect because I think. They need a win. They need a win right now. And obviously, you don't want them to rush. That's the last thing we want them to do, rush another game. But I think that would have been a great win for them. And now, since it's no longer on the table, I wonder what they're going to do moving forward as far as getting something out to people. Because that's what I mean. I'm not interested in playing Cyberpunk. Like I'm interested in playing Cyberpunk online, but... I wonder, like, what's the next thing that's going to come out that's going to, like, you know, be something you want to play from them? Because how it's sounding is just going to be a Cyberpunk DLC. And I'm just good. I'm just good on that game. I'm good. That's going to do it for that segment. So now we're going to move on to some Kotaku stuff. So, well, it's not a taco stuff. It's a taco article, but it's about E3. So let's get this pulled up. So, we have here from Kotaku, it's official. E3 returns as an all digital, all free event in June 12th. Uh, June 12th. So, following the cancellation of 2020's event due to COVID 19, and much rumor and speculation regarding this year's iteration of what was once the most important video game trade show in the world. Entertainment Software Association announces today that E3 2021, a free digital event running through June 12th through 15th, Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, and Take-Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, and 
conch media already slated to participate obviously a glaring person missing but we'll get to that in a second the good news is that it's free for everybody another good news is no one has to fly across the country it'll be uh an all online show and on It'll be an all on online show, and most of us all watch it online anyway, so it'll be basically like every other show for most of us. So, the other events will still happen um, around D3, but the other digital events, but we'll also have E3 2021, a show that will connect developers and publishers digitally with fans around the world. The official ESA announcement doesn't hint at what such a digital show will look like. We're guessing that it will look a lot like trailers and pre-filmed interviews with industry insiders, which from The Great Destroyers takes, whichever form The Great Destroyer takes. Kotaku has confirmed that the event will be completely free for attendees with no elements whatsoever locked behind a paywall. For more than two decades, E3 has been the premier venue to showcase the best the video games industry had to offer. So, with that out the way, I wanted to point out a couple things. Obviously, we have the glaring elephant in the room. Sony is not slated to be there. Most likely, they won't be there. They could have us like, uh, behind the scenes and say, oh, we're actually going to be here. I don't see it. Honestly, especially since it's online only, I think that Nintendo and Xbox only agreed because they're they're like, eh, we were gonna do a treehouse and a and a um Xbox uh inside Xbox, I believe is that what they call their state of play? Because you know Nintendo has direct slash treehouse and PlayStation has their state of plays. I believe Xbox has um inside Xbox. Uh, but regardless, regardless, everybody has their own online show now, so. These guys are probably just like, oh, we'll just we'll just publish it there. Sony is just not interested in it at all. And I really can't blame them just because the idea of E3 is a competition between all of these guys, right? Who has the best show? Who had the best booth? Who had the best venue? Who brought the most games? Who had the best energy? Who structured the show the best? Who had the best mix of developer interviews and talking and gameplay and showing games? That's always that's always was talked about. But if Sony just does their own event, uh, like they have been doing, like their state of plays, and Nintendo does their own events, everyone does their own events, you're just looking at the games and looking at what they have to say. You're not focused on all the extra noise. And I think that's why something like E3, this, this is going to be... Like the last E3s, like maybe not the last, but it's gonna go to the way of the dodo just because it's this is not feasible anymore. Like, these companies can make their own events, and most likely for cheaper, they don't have to share screen time with people, they can customize and decide how they want everything to go from top to bottom. They can have these events whenever they want, it doesn't have to be when E3 decides to take place. So when you have an option that, oh, I can do whatever I want whenever, or I have to do it, I have to fit into a schedule, pay to get to a good schedule, and then have to do it between in this time span, what's the better option? So, yeah, it sucks, I guess, that Sony's not going to be there, but I don't think that means Sony doesn't have anything to show before or after around that time. 
there's going to be something shown Sony's going to show in those summer months of like June and July and whatnot. So we'll see what they come out with, but it but it is interesting that everyone is basically deciding to go, but Sony. There are some other people not coming, but Sony's obviously the biggest one. But you know, keeping with the Sony talks, I want to talk about about how Sony in this way with the e with the ES with the E three stuff is um not is is more forward thinking, but in other ways they're not so forward thinking. So let's move on to the next segment, and this is going to be all about Sony. So Sony claims it was the MLB's decision to put baseball on Game Pass. So if you guys are unfamiliar, Game Pass the service essentially if you have if you play a PlayStation or you play any game, essentially you have a subscription so you can play online. On top of that, you also get free games every month. And then on top of that, you can uh, stream games and you can download them to multiple devices, TVs, computers, phones, uh, and, um, and the uh, uh, system itself. So that's Game Pass. Sony, they don't exactly have a competitor to that. They have PlayStation Now, which is a collection of games that you can stream and whatnot to PC and uh and consoles, but their online service is a different is a different uh subscription. They have something called the uh the uh PlayStation Plus collection. It's a collection of like higher tiered PlayStation first party games. They don't really put their first parties into PlayStation now, especially not the new ones, which Game Pass does. So there's a bit of a difference in a value proposition that that Xbox has that Sony doesn't have. And in the latest thing, we see that the MLB Sony makes the game MLB the show. And in the late and what we see here is that the MLB has made it has made it so that Sony had to they still made the game and they still want to collect the revenues for it, but they made it so that way they had to put it on xbox's platform and then the mlb decided to release it on game pass which means day one if you're already subscribing for day game pass you can download mlb to show you don't have to pay 70 dollars that's only going to charge for it that's a big deal let's uh, let's look down a bit so xbox announced last week that playstation studios will the title will be free to Xbox Game Pass subscribers on its release date. The move is surprising since the game was developed by Sony San Diego Studio and will be released on the PS4 and PS5 consoles for $60 and $70. Now, in a fresh statement issued at Inverse, Sony claimed the decision to release the show on Xbox Game Pass was the MLB's decision. As a part of the goal for this year's game, MLB decided to bring the franchise to more players and baseball fans. A PlayStation representative said the decision was a unique opportunity to establish the MLB, the show, as the premier brand for baseball video games. Sony was already urged to adopt multi-platform release strategy for the show as part of a multi-year extension to the MLB licensing deal signed in 2019. So when that licensing deal came up, they, MLB was like, hey, look, here's what's going to happen. Either you put this game on other platforms so we can make more money, or we're going to let somebody else develop it, and it'll go on other platforms 
regardless. So do you want to be making the money for it or do you want someone else to be making the money for it? Because it's going to go on all platforms regardless. It's just how it's just your involvement in it. So when you have that type of deal in front of you, you really don't got too much of an option. So, MLB, the show series of baseball games started in 2006. It's always been exclusive to PlayStation platforms going back to PS2, PSP, and the 2021 edition is the first time it's been on a non-PlayStation system. And the addition of it going on Game Pass is significant because PlayStation's previous comments about subscription models for new gamers. Speaking to industry.biz, in September last year, Sony Entertainment Interactive, Sony Interactive Entertainment President Jim Ryan claimed the subscription type model will be unsustainable for PlayStation Studios because it often sees its game budget grow to well over $100 million. We have had this conversation before. We are not going to go down the road of putting new release titles into a subscription model, he said. This game costs millions of, many millions of dollars, well over $100 million to develop. We just don't see that as sustainable, he added. We want to make games bigger and better and hopefully at some stage more persistent. So putting those into a subscription model on day one for us just doesn't make any sense. For others in a different situation, it might make sense, but for us, it doesn't. We want to expand and grow our existing ecosystem and putting new games into a subscription model just doesn't sit with that. Now, continuing on this road of the MLB, we're going to go over here. Sony is working on a counterpunch to Xbox Game Pass, claims God of War creator. David Jaffe cites Sony sources who reportedly say it will react to services popularity. This is from Video Games Chronicle. So, that's a, so Sony Interactive is working on a counterpunch to Microsoft's popular Xbox Game Pass service, a former senior developer has claimed. That's according to God of War creator and Twisted Metal co-director David Jaffe who claims to have spoken to a number of sources within PlayStation about the company's plan to respond to Microsoft's subscription service. Game Plus launched in 2017, attracting over 18 million subscribers. It offers Xbox and PC players to, offer, to access over 100 titles, including all first-party games at launch, with a growing number of also available Android devices via the cloud. And so they said on multiple occasions that it wouldn't work for them. We already went over that that um jim ryan has said it's not sustainable and in a 2020 interview in a november 2020 interview with russian news agency tass ryan also suggested that sony may have an ace up its sleeve to counter game pass there's actually some news to come but not today he said that he said that when asked how playstation will respond to microsoft's subscription service we have PlayStation Now, which is our subscription service, and it is available in a number of markets, he continued. Yaffe, who worked at PlayStation for 14 years but left the company in 2007, has also heard from his sources at Sony that a response to Game Pass is in the works. I said that, I said time and time again that I hope people who are writing Jim Ryan's obituary are way premature if you haven't heard jim people have been disliking jim ryan as of recently because because sony's been quiet you haven't been hearing a lot of stuff from them and they're like oh jim ryan's not good for not good for uh playstation we want sean layton back and that he's not going to be able to get us where we need to go he said 
So we had the guy on the show yesterday that made the petition to fire Jim Ryan. And I was like, dude, that's way premature because Jim Ryan doesn't owe anybody. Sony doesn't owe anybody. The truth about what's coming is what the counter punch to Game Pass is. What I can tell you is I know they're doing, they doing some stuff because I know people at Sony who have told me they're doing some great stuff. He continued. There would be a response to Game Pass. What it is, we don't know. Definitely added, here's what I would say. I worry about if Jim thinks the proper response to Game Pass is to emulate backwards compatibility through PS3, PS2, and PS1 games, and then add trophies, which the patent suggests they're going to do. They're they're also going to fold in all the movies and shit and make a streaming service. He's absolutely wrong. He thinks that's mixing that. If he actually thinks that mixing it with PlayStation Now is the way to go, that would make me go. I don't think he has a clue. Because that's not going to compete with Game Pass. But I don't know if that's the case. And I don't know if Jim Reddy is ready to throw it all under the bus. So the cloud uh, subscription service PlayStation Now fully launched in 2015. And has over 700 PS2, PS3, and PS4 games. Sony has also slashed the prices in 2019. And now it also has over 2.2 million subscribers. Up from 1 million just uh, in October of last of, uh, 2019. We also have the PlayStation Plus Collector, which arrived in late 2020, offering a library of 20 PS4 games, which PlayStation subscribers can play on PS5. And asked in November if there were plans to grow the collection, which currently consists of 10 first-party games and 10 third-party ones. Ryan told GQ, Sony is taking a wait-and-see approach, and Sony will have given away 10 free games this spring as part of its play-at-home initiatives, including first-party title, Ratchet and Clank and Horizon Zero Dawn. So, with all of that out the way. I wanted to talk about this because we can see how things might be not progressing in a way that is going is going to make sense as far as markets. So, if we talk about the market, if we talk about, you know, private exchange and competition. We can all like, you know, some people really love their physical games and never want digital media. Doesn't matter. Digital games are the future. People are moving closer and closer to a digital feature. It's more convenient. It's more convenient and cost effective. So just because you might not like it doesn't matter if it's more convenient and the larger market likes it. Our personal feelings doesn't matter to a market. And whether you like these things, you like Game Pass, you dislike Game Pass, it doesn't matter if the market says that they like Game Pass and people love Game Pass. You can see how people, how upset people were over this baseball game. And they're not just saying MLB The Show isn't a good game or doesn't deserve people to care about it but it's just this there was a lot of outrage and stuff a lot of people like you know coming for Jim Ryan's head like over a baseball game so I'm just saying like the market wants it now whether they're now whether they should be doing all that probably not but as far as like what they want it's pretty clear that what they want is a is a game pass is a game pass like talking about adding putting playstation now and ps plus together putting their first party titles at least maybe a month after on the service if not day one adding more game adding more games on a regular basis to it like 
more streaming options, more apps, and more stuff like that. We have to... Xbox lost the last generation. The PS4, Xbox One generation, they lost it, hands down, easily. Most people are going to agree to that. Sony's setting themselves up to lose this next-gen PS5, Xbox Series generation. Because Xbox, while they still don't have that first-party powerhouse hard-hitting games like proven track record is to bought bethesda but that proven track record of stuff coming out and bangers 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 all the time they can do that in the future but they haven't proven it yet they've set themselves up for that they set themselves up to say hey wherever you like to play you can play we want as much power in the consumer's hand as possible and that matters to people I can play on my phone. I can play on my TV without a box. I just go and need a little plug-in or even just an app, a smart app. I can just stream the game in. I can play on my Xbox. I can play on my computer. I can play wherever. I play one service and I play one service. I got so many games. I don't ever have to buy a game again. You know, last time I bought music, I think it was maybe 10, maybe, maybe, no, not 10, maybe maybe eight years ago, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Amazon Play, YouTube, SoundCloud. You don't buy music anymore. You stream it. You don't own music anymore. Sometimes you really like something. You get a vinyl or something. For the vast majority, it's streams and it's plays. You don't own this stuff anymore. You own the right to access it because it's just more convenient. Whether there's sometimes issues with it, sometimes songs taken down, sometimes you can't really rely that song you're listening to right now will be there tomorrow. Very possible. But it's too convenient to ignore. I have a smart light above me right now. Sometimes it disconnects from the Wi-Fi. And also because that smart light sucks, to be honest. Um, there's better ones that I'm going to replace that one with. But point is, sometimes that one disconnects from the internet. And then, and then I can't. And then at that point, I cannot. What's it go? I can't uh, change the light. If I can't change the light, you know, with my phone, you know, it's a minor inconvenience. But ninety percent of the time, I can change the light with my phone. Now, is there a problem with the light switches over there? No, perfectly fine, perfectly good light switch. But if I'm in my bed and. I just want to turn the light on so I can check something. Like I want to read something or like, oh, shoot, I forgot to look at something. Let me turn the light on so I can get up and read this paper next to my next to my uh, desk. The phone is very useful for that. And the point is to say here, people will give up optimal performance in certain things for greater convenience. We all know Ethernet is way better. A plugged-in hardwired cable is better and more reliable and more consistent for, like, an internet connection. But there's still developments of Wi-Fi, and people still mostly connect to things on Wi-Fi. They got a couple things hooked up to Ethernet. I got a couple things hooked up to Ethernet over there. But you still mostly use Wi-Fi. Why? It's too convenient. That's the issue. It's a conveniency issue. So with I hear Sony saying stuff like this, it does concern me. It does concern me. Why? 
Because when I see this, I see that it seems like they don't care. And maybe not so much they don't care, but they're not they're not taking it seriously enough. Xbox has put a great groundwork down. Like they took they, they took the loss of last generation on the chin and they set the groundwork. And now they're about to reap the rewards. This time this time next year, when Xbox is gonna have a first party game coming out every month on Game Pass. You're going to see people on the bus just with a controller in their hand, with a controller in their hand, with a little mount, putting their phone in it, playing a game, going to work. A full A, high-quality, 2060-hour game. Not no mobile game. And Sony is going to be like, well, when you come home, you can play. It's not a good look. And... I hope they take it seriously because the the issue is when you stop innovating, that's when you lose. Innovations do not stop. Just because you're at the top right now, you can go back to the bottom. Very easily. Very easily. Sega used to be Nintendo's biggest competition. Now Sonic is at the Olympics with Mario on Nintendo devices. Things can change really easily. And if Sony doesn't get serious about this, about this digital future, like this fully digital future, embracing all aspects of it, not just selling games on a service, embracing more of it, making the value proposition there. We're going to see a shift in the market. And as a PlayStation fan, I'm not liking the way it's going. But that's going to be it for this show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I really do hope you guys enjoyed that. This was a uh, pretty interesting. Had some te technical difficulties at the beginning, but I believe it was mostly sorted out by the end. And I know this gonna be doing more streams. Streams gonna be every Saturday. Tweak things a little bit to make sure things work properly. But streams are gonna be every Saturday. And Sunday, we're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing the podcast, Tasteful Fan Service, and Minds of Culture. Going to always be having a mix of things. It's going to be culture. It's going to be pop culture. It's going to be things to incentivize and encourage people to do better and be better in their lives. Actionable advice. Things to look at the world in different ways. You know, we're going to be talking about, you know, markets when it comes to games. We're going to be talking about you know, loot boxes, we're going to be talking about politics, we're going to be talking about social structures, we're going to be talking about all things to help and aid better people navigate their lives. Hope you guys enjoy the journey with me. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tasteful Fan Service Podcast. Please leave a review, it really helps. If you want more Syntax content, check out my Life and Culture podcast, Minds of Culture, and the Syntax YouTube channel, where I analyze and discuss my favorite movies, games, anime, and more. Follow my socials at Syntax on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're feeling especially generous, please help fund future content by becoming a patron on the Syntax Patreon page. And as always, think for yourself.